Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 2nd, 2012. For newcomers, I will suggest at the start of the broadcast that you help yourself to the websites cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's a whole bunch listed on that particular site. Uh, anything outside of that page isn't mine if you find it anywhere else. And um, you can download thousands, uh, over well over a thousand audios for free where I go through the system you're born into to explain how it got to be the way it is, how our minds, our opinions, our cultures are constantly being shaped by those in control. It's very old art, actually, but it's, it's perfected today with the mass communication and really a worldwide educational system all teaching the same nonsense. But uh, help yourself to the audios. You, you really understand the foundations, organizations that run the world. And, and uh, they actually wrote about it themselves, the big players that participated in setting it up and keeping it going down through the last hundred odd years. Their biographies are out there for people to buy or purchase. And, some, and lots of quotes, of course, are eaten up on the Internet by these particular characters who still run the world today. They give you your culture. As I say, they alter the culture. Uh, they work with uh, think tanks, thousands of think tanks across the planet, always updating uh, us to the next part of the big global agenda. Remember, too, that you are the audience that bring me to you. You can help me get by by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and you can also uh, donate as well. From the U.S. to Canada, you can uh, use personal checks. You can use international postal money orders from the post office. You can use uh, cash, the same cash, or you can use PayPal. And across the world, the Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Remember, as I say, straight donations are really, really uh, in desperate need right now. But what I do is go through the past and... and uh, get articles uh, from the big players, sometimes quotes from their books, to show you that what's happening today was meant to happen and planned a long time ago, often before you were born, because uh, we're in a manipulated, cultured society. We're cultured. We're grown, you see. That's what culture really means. They grow your culture, alter your culture uh, to suit themselves at the top. Very old arts, it's thousands of years old, and even uh, many thousands of years ago, priesthoods rose up, which would control the minds of all populations on behalf of their, their king. And sometimes I wonder if the king was even just uh, an added cherry on the cake for the priest to run, because the priest really ran everything. Even the ancient Sumerians had priestly classes that dealt with every aspect of finance, including making wills, uh, dividing up lands, that kind of thing, taxing the public. One of them actually wrote down in a, a clay a piece tablet that you could look from horizon to horizon in one of their main cities and you could see nothing but uh, uh, government buildings. This is 5,000 odd years ago, 6,000 years ago. So really the, the techniques, the arts have been run for an awful long time. And uh, the trick is to always raise a herd of people uh, in innocence, keep them innocent well, the, the sharks or the wolves or the good shepherds feed on top of you. We are the sheep at the bottom, you see. 
most folk are really given a, a fictitious impression of the big, big organizations that run them, like the medical profession. Remember what Jacques Zillon said, the philosopher, he says, all, all entertainment to do with police and detectives, uh, the medical industry, hospitals, all dramas, all fiction, it's all really propaganda to give you a completely distorted view of what they're all about. And, uh, and they certainly, certainly are. We're given the rules at the bottom that we all believe in. And um, the sharks at the top, who are psychopathic in nature, some of them even come from groups that, are, that breed each other as psychopaths. It's a kind of trait they have. The more insular the particular powerful group, the more they tend to inbreed. And the traits are passed on with the culture that they have above you. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix. This system is really truly amazing because it's, it's way beyond fiction. We live in fiction to an extent too, and again, Alul and others have said that we live in a kind of dream state most of the time, a semi-hypnotic state, more so today I think than ever before because of the internet and the communications, mass communications. They talked about this in the 1960s, that techniques were coming down the pike, that would drastically alter how we relate to each other as well through communication. And Marshall McLuhan was one of the uh, the guys that came up with lots of uh, lovely little catchy phrases and so on to do with how we would be at this particular time. And most of them, of course, have turned out to be pretty well true because um, it distorts our way of interacting with each other, even on a real level when we meet people in person. Uh, the youngsters now can hardly look at anybody. They're like autistic children are the same thing. They can't look their parents in the eyes. And young children are the same. They've got all these hundreds and hundreds of sock puppet friends, which they don't even know are sock puppets. They think they're real people. And they, they don't know how to interact in live conversation with real people. They kind of look down to the floor. They stare at their phone, and, and they're, they're uncomfortable. So technology can certainly change your your life and the culture and your personal habits as well. But it also can change your reality because very few people, very few people really at the bottom, uh, everybody snaps up the technology, but very few think who puts it out there for what purpose and and so on. They don't question anything. And they've all been trained, the young ones especially, that everything is just free. But there's a catch to everything that's free. Everything is information collection by massive corporations that are into so many things, including even organ donation, believe it or not, and DNA matches. There's nothing up there in all the programs and the apps they give you uh, that's just free. Yeah, you may get some fun with it, but you never ask what the true purpose is. And we're run really by, as I say, psychopathic types. And it's, there's nothing really unusual in this. I think the world's always been run by psychopathic types, especially since since when they brought in what was called this thing called money. And the same people who ruled over money and who understood the tricks with money and still run it today. The same kind of tricks are pulled over and over again. Something that's taught through generations, father to son, father to son, etc. And debt and compound interest and all the scams that go with it. And uh, the public at the bottom never really get to up to a, certain, a, a higher level. Technically, if everything was above board and you hit a, say, a 1960s era in the U.S., 
with finances, everything should have kept going up and up and up. But it didn't. It didn't. Because the more you get, the more the government themselves will scam off you and, and give to corporations, which they work with, big international corporations. Or they set up organizations like the United Nations, which again takes your cash money, your tax money, and gives it to their other corporations across the world. This is, we live, we're deluged under under a mass of scams, which I call conology. And those with the the suits and the ties on, who stares in the face on television, you know, the important types that they give us as important people, they're psychopathic, really. And they they understand the scams. They don't have to be taught them, in fact. They know know them intuitively. It's almost like a genetic memory they have, have to scam the general public. But every so often it gets so bad, especially when they're bringing it into austerity. This is a global agenda for austerity, meaning poverty, for those who don't get it. You see, they want to bring you back to the Stone Age pretty well. And um, while they go on as a separate class above you with high technology, living in their palatial residences that we all pay for, because Plato says, why why own a place yourself when it can be robbed? You've got to hire servants, you've got to hire your staff, and um, replace things that are broken. So you, you get the people to pay for it instead. So they live in these great palatial residences that we pay for because they're essential to government and all this kind of stuff. I was astonished when, when, when uh, Kim Campbell, who became Prime Minister of Canada, when Mulroney stepped down, they do these stepping down things to give the ones who we, they know they'd never get in as Prime Minister, they give them a chance, you see, of ruling over the peasants. And uh, Kim Campbell uh, was not a popular person at all. And she disappeared from sight once her term was up and they voted in another uh, psychopathic type, basically. They're all the same at the top. But years went by, and then a little documentary on Canadian television showed you what happened to her. She was down, I didn't know Canada even did this, but they have, um, they have basically ambassadors to different states in the U.S. And so there she was in Hollywood, uh, in a massive mansion, paid for by the taxpayer, with her servants, massive swimming pool, and living awfully well, thank you very much, having dinners and so on with movie stars and important people. In other words, passing the time and socializing. And they have them all over the place, these, these kind of palatial residences. The taxpayer pays for them all, just like Plato said. Why do you, why own it, you know? If it goes up in flames, then you're out of pocket. But not with these guys. This build them another one. So we're run by chronology, as I say, and we've seen so many instances of this, and it's even more when they have the G20 meetings now with the massive amounts of money into the multi-billions now they spend on security and food and servants and prostitutes and all the usual stuff they give them for these international meetings. It's in your face with it. They can't relate to you, by the way. Those people are those, but they cannot relate to you at all. It's like Bertrand Russell said. He said, eventually, the ruling class, the ruling elite, and he was part of them, and he wasn't uh, being disparaging about it. He, he literally said that they will become a separate class, a separate species. And technically, they have, because they honestly cannot relate to you at all, or how you live. Because they don't make conversation, they don't meet you generally. If they do, this is a kind of embarrassment if you're in the same elevator with them, because they don't know how to approach one of you, you know, even to be polite. So anyway, 
that's the reality of the world in which we live. And they're, they're all into scams. The higher you go, the more scams there are because the whole governmental system is based on scams, scamology and conology, you see. Number one, what is a government? It's an idea. That's all it is. It's like, it's like a dollar note in the U.S., you know, in God we trust. In other words, it's based on faith of the public that this is real. And you'll get something for it. Just like you, you believe your government is real and they're there to, to, to keep peace, keep order so that you can all function. But of course they go into all these side scams and as I say, taxing you for corporations bailing out international banks and things like this. And they have big plans at the top. They take off away from you. You don't dream of a global government, but they do, you see, because it's the, they're all put in by the guys who technically own but is now the global government. All the top guys are put in there from the Council on Foreign Relations. They're all members. They've been members for a 100 years in the States. And in Britain, too, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is just the British version of the same club. Same club. They have them across the whole planet. All the top politicians in the European Union now are members of the European Council on Foreign Relations. So you can't get in unless you've been selected to get in. And that's what Professor Carl Quigley said in his own book, since he was the historian for this group. Now, the cons sometimes get excessive with their plundering at the top. And, of course, they've had plenty of excesses recently, and they've got lots more to come, actually. But they go after some of the, the lower-level um, con artists that work for them. They, they sacrifice the occasional uh, lesser wolf to the public. So that we think, oh my goodness, they're doing something about it. And there's a lot of articles in the paper recently about going after people with Swiss bank accounts and things like that, just to keep you saying, well, you know, they're making them suffer too, because we're all suffering at the bottom. But uh, here's an article, for instance, here. I mean, uh, former top ICE official, that's the Customs Enforcement Intelligence, it's called in the States. Uh, James Woosley pleads guilty in $600,000 scam. Well, that's peanuts, to be honest with you. So it's a low-level character. They've probably been doing it. No, no, he's been doing it all his life, but they have to throw a few, I say, lesser rules to the public once in a while. And it says here that um, he was the chief intelligence of this group. He says he pleaded guilty Tuesday to an elaborate scam over several years involving false travel expense reports totaling nearly $600,000. Well, you, you read this stuff in Britain all the time, in other countries as well. So it says he, he must surrender more than 180000 he made in a scheme that also included several other ICE employees and contractors, the federal prosecutors said. And so anyway, this is just one uh, and Tempt Wolseley became the fifth and the highest ranking individual to plead guilty as part of a series of fraud schemes amongst rogue employees and contractors at the ICE, said U.S. Attorney Ronald Macon in a statement. He abused his sensitive position of trust to fleece the government by submitting phony paperwork for and taking kickbacks from subordinates who were also on the take. And so uh, I'll put this up tonight, but it's, this is peanuts. But all of the staff were involved, and um, some of them had to pay back 295000 each and stuff like that. But it's peanuts. And then take this one here. Uh, Dixon City ex-comptroller, comptroller it's called, Rita Crundwell stole $53 million in public funds. 
Dixon City X comp- Comptroller. A Comptroller is someone who is above the whole, all the staff, the accountancy and so on, and basically all the, all the, the data comes through them, the expenditures for the whole company and expended projections and so on. So anyway, it says, uh, Rita Crunwell is accused of using the money to fund horse breeding operations. See, that's a psychopath there. You know, they flaunt it so much because they like to flaunt their wealth and power and so on. That brought her national fame and a lavish lifestyle that included expensive jewellery and luxury vehicles. See, the psychopaths have varying intellects as well. But the traits amongst them is to really show off when they've got the cash, even to their detriment. Other ones are a bit brighter and don't. They're, they're cleverer. But um, there's always a giveaway. So anyway, she stole $53 million in public funds. And I'll talk about this when I come back because it's an interesting case. So I'll be back in a few minutes after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the guys at the top, you know, the ones who come out with special wombs. There's a certain level you get to and you definitely come out of a special womb, you see. And we're taught to really respect these people. And but they're throwing us the lower level ones. This is a lower level one. It's from Dixie, Dixon, Dixon City. Ex-comptroller, this is the person who takes care of all the, the, the overseer of all the finances for the, for the city, right? Not a big one either, not a big city. See, you understand at the bottom, you're worth a lot of cash to the, to the shepherds at the top. You're the sheep, they're the shepherds. They're the good shepherds, you see. That's, you're, you're taught to believe they're good. I mean, any shepherd who had a bad sort of name amongst his sheep would, he'd never get the sheep together, they'd run off when they saw him. So they always give you this great facade and, and cut ribbons and things like that, and they're well, they're well rewarded by your applause and, and your taxes. And so anyway, she stole $53 million in public funds, right? So, and she had all these race horses and everything else, and diamonds and yada, yada, yada. But anyway, it says that um, federal prosecutors say in an indictment that a former financial officer of the small, a small northern Illinois city of Dixon, right? Small city. And she ripped him off for $53 million and nobody noticed all, since 1990. Do you know that every city has got its two sets of books? Do you remember when, when the, the bank crashes happened and everyone's hollering and pulling their hair out saying, oh my goodness, the cities were investing in Iceland and different countries like that. And they're saying, what, your, your towns and your cities and your local councils are investing money, your money in cities and in, in other countries and banks? Well, that doesn't go down in the books, you see. That's all their profit at the top for their other set of books. Because they're always broke at the end of the year, aren't they? Oh, we're broke, need more money. No, there was a guy who came out and did a lot of uh, investigation on this particular scam. And uh, I can't remember his name, but he, he was awfully good. And he, and he went through the whole system of the two sets of books. This has been in existence forever, for all across the US, Canada, and everywhere else. Anyway, so here you, you go, 53 million from the city since 1990. The initial criminal complaint filed upon her on April 17th arrest had accused her of siphoning $30 million in public funds to a secret account she controlled. So another 30. 
Crindwell is accused of using the money to fund horse breeding operations that brought her national fame in the lavish lifestyle. And she should be arraigned in May the 7th in the U.S. District Court in Rockford. The theft stunned the small city of 16,000 people. Do you realize how much money you, you really are worth? You, all you people at the bottom that are being taught to go into austerity to save the world and the planet and, and to help poor people in third world countries, you know. 16,000 people. And this is just one on the take. How many more were there? She personally got $53 million out of, of 16,000 people. <laughs> well, and they're telling you to cut back on your water and all this stuff. And you're going to have to pay more for your energy. And, uh, you know. and you wonder why your roads are all potholes and things. Yeah. Mm. It's never ending. We live in a fiction. We truly live in a fiction. See, the crooks have trained us that way. As I say, if the good shepherd came in amongst his sheep and slaughtered one on the spot, the rest of them would be, whenever they saw him, they'd, they'd, they'd be off. So they've got to come amongst you and patch you and all the rest of it and, and, and take one off, you know, and, and quietly and, and just pet it. So they want, oh, he's got a favorite there. Well, that favorite's going to get slaughtered once it's out of sight. And that'll feed him for the night and he'll sell the, the wool. And... Um, but it, it just never ends, never ends. And wherever there's a big pot of cash, and that's what they've always said, you see, the biggest pots of cash really are, are, are as they get, you have to get into government to get it. Because they, they, they've got the biggest pot of cash. They're using your money. Your money finances massive world projects and national projects. Massive. And it's a standard procedure now just to help yourself to the, to the honey in, in the jar. When you get up to the top, they've even caught people in BC a few years back, two politicians with, with their hands in the jar, and they said, so what, everybody does it, and nothing happened. They kept, you know, just let them go and continue. They're so, that's how it is, you see. Wherever big money is and where your cash goes, they're there. The psychopaths are there in this monetary system. Here's Miami. Federal authorities charged 107 doctors, nurses, and social workers in seven cities with Medicare fraud Wednesday in a nationwide crackdown on unrelated scams that allegedly billed the taxpayer-funded program of $452 million, the highest dollar amount in a single Medicare bust in U.S. history. Now, this is just a few clinics that went around, just a few of them. As the latest in a string of major arrests in the past two years, as authorities have targeted fraud that's believed to cost the government, that's you lot, you know, between $60 billion and $90 billion each year. Stopping Medicare's budget from hemorrhaging, that money will be key to, pay, to paying for President Obama's, Obama's health care overhaul. Well, I've seen his overhaul because he's got the Rand Corporation to model on the British system, and the British system is slashed to the bare bones. In fact, they're paying the doctors not to refer Patients to hospitals now in Britain, or specialists. So that's going to be the, the great Obamacare. What they're wanting is more cash for, for the globalization and, and, and for their wars and things and the, the latest fighter planes and things that go bang. And it says Health and Human Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius and Attorney General Eric Holder partnered in 2009 to increase enforcement by allocating more money and staff and creating strike forces and fraud hotspots. And anyway, they say that they were charging 107 suspects, Miami, Los Angeles, Houston, Houston, Detroit, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, Baton Rouge, L.A. And uh, quite elaborate scams they've 
been using for many years. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix and what a matrix it is too because there's scams on every level you see. And whenever you can get a chance to build governments and taxpayers, then these, these crooks are always in there. The psychopaths are in. They see, not, they see nothing wrong with it at all. They have no hesitation of grabbing the opportunity of scamming the public. And so they're, they're getting raids going on a few places just it's for public consumption. Oh, they're doing something about it. But you see, no one really takes note of who's billing for what or anything. It's so huge. Such a, you, you couldn't. It's, it's, you can oversee all of this. Same in Canada and elsewhere where they have the health services and, and, um, and there's doctors sometimes once in a blue moon they'll throw one again to the people at the bottom, see we caught one and, and it's, be, it's billed you for so many thousands of patients you saw in a year and, you know, and, and most of them never even ever arrived in the office. They just have them on their books so they just put them down as visiting. It's easy to do when you're given that kind of authority to self-police yourself as they call it. Anyway, this, this con with Medicare uh, went all through the parts of the U.S. and it says the government suspended payment to 52 providers as part of the investigations. And then it, they should tell you about some of the people they actually arrested um, who were doing a lot of the, the billing, the legal billing, $225 million in one of the scams. And they were recruiting elderly people, uh, drug addicts, mentally ill, who wouldn't know if they were in the hospital or not or in the clinic or not and probably put them down as visiting every day, that kind of stuff, and constantly billing. Authorities suspended their companies in May 2011, but the pair continued billing Medicare after purchasing another fraudulent company, according to the indictment. That stops them. Eh? When Fed shut down that company, the pair tried to sell their beneficiaries to other providers in an attempt to keep making money. And uh, they, they actually had other scams on the go, this whole group, you see. Uh, they, were, they were burning, after they got raided, they actually boasted about burning stuff that the government hadn't found, all the documents and cons that they hadn't found. They burned them all in a bonfire. And it said, too, uh, that um, they were using a lot of, the biggest one, some of the biggest fraud is mental health clinics because it's such a booming industry, is, is that the book for diagnostics gets thicker and thicker with all the new illnesses that they put down, like nervous leg syndrome and stuff like that, very important stuff. But there's a pill for that. And then there's more and more diseases they can claim people have, and they can also claim that they've had so many visits from people who either didn't exist or never attended to the clinics. So community mental health centers are the latest trend in medical fraud, which has developed more complex schemes over the years, moving from medical equipment and HIV infusion fraud to ambulance scams as crooks try to stay one step ahead of the authorities. The scams have also grown more sophisticated using patient recruiters who are paid kickbacks for recruiting patients. Let's go on the street and pick them up. Eh? Well, doctors, nurses, and company owners coordinated to, to make appear they're, discu- they're delivering the medical services, which they are not. So it's a, it's a huge thing. And, and as I say, whenever you get a chance to build government, you see the, 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 the psychopaths are there. It's always been that way, though. And it always will be that way, as long as uh, people can bill uh, the taxpayer uh, for, for, for the loot that they want. They'll always get a new scam and a new scam. And especially, again, as I mentioned earlier, what Jack's Law said about things like detectives and law 
and hospital dramas, fiction, it's all propaganda. It's all propaganda. Why do you think the hospitals exist? And you'll all say, oh, to help you. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Especially when they privatized hospitals. In the States, they've had plenty of years of that. They exist to make incredible, stinking rich profits. That's what it's all about. Same with insurance companies. We're here to help you. You know. That's what, you really look at everything around you that you've taken for granted and question it. You really do. But as I say, they're throwing a few to the wolves because it's time, and they'll do this up until election time as well. Then they'll all disappear again and, and everybody goes back to, you know, business. Now, the EPA and Undisclosed Human Experimentation, the Environmental Protection Agency, says, which you find more shocking than the Environmental Protection Agency conducting experiments on humans that its own risk assessment would deem potentially lethal. So they're doing their own risk assessments and tests and experiments on humans, which their own rules, etc., would deem potentially lethal, or that it hides the results of those experiments from Congress and the public because they debunk those very same assessments. This critical question forms the basis for the attached Washington Times article that Obama's EPA, EPA relaunch at the Tuskegee experiments. And it says, moreover, this is one more piece of evidence that the EPA uses science to play games. Well, they all use science to play games. It's like statistics, you know. And they, and they manipulate data and they generate faulty outcomes to justify their regulations. Again, I have to stress that the people who get to the top into these positions are better psychopaths. But they have the same nature. They, they, they fudge everything. And, and they'll come on television and tell you with a straight face why they have to cut back on this and cut back on that for you. So here's a compelling example that highlights faulty science. The EPA researchers who conducted the experiments published the case study of the 58-year-old woman in the government journal Environmental Health Perspectives, that's the name of the journal, in which they casually disregard the woman's pre-existing conditions and blame her atrial fibrillation on PM22. They also fail to disclose the existence, let alone the results, of the other 40 experiments. This is what I'm trying to say that coal burning zone was bad, you see. But they got a bunch of people who are chronically sick and, uh, and then test them for pollution. So they're pre-existing conditions. Anyway, I'll put this link up too for those who want to, to follow it. Everything up there is pretty well, exists for a different reason, a completely different reason often from what you think it, it, it's there for. Here's an example here. It's, it's to do with perception. Now at the top they call it, they talk about perception management. Globally. And they, they have, uh, total information networks, total information dominance as they call it, to make sure we all get the same opinions, to keep us in the dark, basically. We think we know what things are for, but we don't. So how you can reword something to, to alter what it's really all about. So here's an example. Here's the mainstream. It says, Business Week, Obama urges rule review, rule review, as I said, an organization that works with the government, to boost U.S. company trade. So... It says President Barack Obama issued an executive order requiring a White House policy group to seek ways to closer align the U.S. regulations with rules in other countries. The order issued today instructs the panel to focus on increasing international regulatory cooperation. We all like to be cooperative, don't we? Particularly in areas of emerging technology. So it's a cooperation thing, right? 
differences in regulatory approach between the U.S. agencies and those of counterparts in an increasingly global economy might not be necessary and might impair the ability of American businesses to export and compete internationally, the order states, right? Remember, America and the U.S. and every other country has been importing about 90% in their goods and exporting about 10 of whatever's left because it's not coming from China. They talk about balance of trade, but they've got a joke. So now they're going to change all the rules just to make it more harmonious and stuff like that. The order aims to cut red tape that can make it hard for American companies to grow their businesses. Cass Sunstein, administration, uh, administrator of the White House's Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. Now, Cass Sunstein deems himself a specialist in, in basically new think and how to, to give the public their opinions. He said, there's a guy who's got books out called Nudge and how they use the internet and companies to put little nudges to make sure you go to the pages they want you to look at and don't go to the pages they don't want you to look at, how they train you to do things. Yeah. He admits that the people are all trained. People like him, they claim, are training us all. So Cass Sunstein, uh, the administrator of the White House's office, Office of Information. See, it depends what information they want to give you according to how they want you to be and think. And regular affairs said in remarks today at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the nation's biggest business lobbying organization. And the federal agencies reviewing rules under the order should seek to promote accountability and transparency and prevent unnecessary costs, Sunstein said. So let's look at this other article about the same thing. And it says, new Obama executive order pushes U.S. closer to a North American Union and a world, one world economic system. You see, it's all perception, how you can word things to give the, 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 a misleading impression to the general public, which is generally what they do. And here's what's really happening. When it comes to Barack Obama, uh, one of the most important things to understand is that he is a committed globalist. Well, they all are. He firmly believes that more global governance, and the elite don't like the term global government, will make the world a much better place, well, for themselves. Throughout his time in the White House, Obama has consistently sought to strengthen international institutions such as the United Nations, the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank, and the World Trade Organization, all the ones that the Council on Foreign Relations, but 80 years ago, uh, said that they would set up to take over the world in, in their own publications. At every turn, Obama has endeavored to more fully integrate America into the global community. Since he was elected, Obama has signed a whole host of new international economic agreements. He regularly speaks of the need for cooperation amongst global regions, and he's hosted a wide variety of different religious celebrations at the White House. Well, it's actually not so, so wide. Obama once stated that all nations must come together to build a stronger global regime. If you don't want to live in a global regime, that is just too bad. To globalists such as Obama, it's inevitable that the United States of America will be merged into the emerging global system. Just this week, Obama has issued a new executive order that seeks to harmonize U.S. economic regulations with the rest of the world. This new executive order is yet another incremental step that is pushing us closer to North American Union and a one-world economic system. Unfortunately, most Americans have absolutely no idea what is happening. And ain't that the truth? The American people need to understand that Barack Obama is constantly looking for ways to integrate the U.S. more deeply with the rest of the world. And in a recent Business Week article, it says, Obama's order provides a framework to organize scattered efforts 
to promote international regulatory cooperation, the Chamber's top global regulatory office said today. Today's executive order marks a paradigm shift, and when we hear paradigm, you better take it seriously, shift for U.S. regulators by directing them to take the international implications of their work into account in a consistent and comprehensive way. Was Sean Heather, Vice President of the Chamber's Centre for Global Regulatory Cooperation. So it's, 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 once you start changing all your laws and, and, and harmonise them all, you understand, you, you don't have the country you once had at all because every, your whole system is based around your, number one, your economy and the way that the economy is handled and managed internally. All your laws come down for that, right, right down to the cost of murder. If, it depends who you murder because they're taxpayers you're bumping off. This guy could have produced so much uh, in, in taxation during his lifetime for the government, and, and it depends on your value. That's according to your sentence, you see. That's how they work it out. Everything's economics. So when they start integrating your own economics, which really gave you your system, uh, then you're going into an international system where you'll have an international body regulating all your, your domestic rules, regulations, and everything else. That's what it's all about. So, again, I mentioned here Obama's informations are the guy who literally says they should never tell the public the truth <laughs> about anything. Authored a piece in the Wall Street Journal on Monday in which he stressed the need to eliminate unnecessary regulatory differences across nations so the U.S. can compete more efficiently in our interdependent global economy. We're all interdependent now, you see. The end result of this process will be that we will now do things much more like how the rest of the world does things. Well, that means they're all under the United Nations. So you've got all these different organizations on the go. Um, some of them are mentioned in here. The U.S. and Canada released the United States-Canada Regulatory Cooperation Council Joint Action Plan last December. In February, we announced the United States-Mexico High-Level Regulatory Cooperation Council Work Plan. So you've got all these different little schemes on the go at the same time the public know nothing about. All they read is the previous article, which sounds just like, well, that's okay, it's going to help trade and stuff, and it's going to cut red tape. You see, it's good for you. Harmonization. Everybody likes to harmonize, even if you're off-key, you know. That's how the world is. Positive terminology, and of course Sunstein would approve of that, since he's a master manipulator, at least he thinks he is. And everything is a con, as I say, conology and scamology, they run the world. It's interesting too that even when Karl Marx bragged about the the, the need to uh, centralise all governments into central governments, this essential part of the Communist Manifesto, and of course he was backed by the biggest bankers on the planet, because they run both sides. You've got to have two opposing factions to come a, to get a, a harmonious outcome, you see, that you agree upon. And all conflict brings out new resolutions. That's why you've got to have conflict in the, in the dialectic. So the big boys are going after owning all the world's water, uh, food, uh, all the mineral rights across the whole planet for everything that's going to be manufactured and again, too, Cecil Rhodes Foundation actually admitted that. So if you want to read about Cecil Rhodes, he was set out by Rothschild at the time, because he was a partner with Rothschild in the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, to take over the world's resources all that time ago. And then they merged with the Lord Milner Group that was made up of international bankers and their sons, and they formed the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They're still at it today. It took them 100 years to take over the whole planet, the Fabian way, you see. 
So now they're privatized. And what they do is they give you left-wing, right-wing. The left-wing comes in and they say, oh, we need roads. We, we need uh, gas systems for the people to get gas into their homes. Uh, we need this, that, and the other. We need yada, yada, yada. And, and, of course, you build it all with your tax money. And then they boast about us. It belongs to the community. It's yours. And local councils puff out, you know, puff out their chest and stuff. And and uh, and then in come the right wing. This is the game that's played, you see. Once you've built it and you've tested it out and worked out all the problems with it and, and improved them all, then they sell them off. Oh, it's unsustainable. We can't afford this, and they give it to their private pals, which was decided in the very in the, by the in the very big before before they even started drafting the darn thing up that you were going to pay for. This was all decided before they came up with it. So you don't complain with, oh, that's good, they're using our tax money to to better our conditions. Well, that's what taxes generally you think are supposed to do. But then, as I say, they sell them off. Same with roads and everything else. So they've sold off all the water supplies. It was in Britain too. It was quite funny. Quite a few years back, I think it was in the late nineties, uh, those three politicians stood up in Parliament and all put forward a bill to privatise the water supply of the whole country. That technically was owned by the public because they'd built it all, you see, through tax money. And um, and as, as soon as it was passed, the same three politicians uh, just happened to have formed that the very company that was going to buy it all up for peanuts, which it did. That's good psychopathic work there. Now, the threat of standpipes at the UK's biggest water firm, because they've privatized everything now, so they own it all, bans hose pipes until Christmas, as Christmas coming, despite the wettest April for a 100 years. And it says, uh, the Thames water extends banned despite monsoon downpours. It's the worst April they've had for a hundred years. A hundred years. The, uh, amazing too, that they, they distort your perception even when they show you, uh, documentaries of, of, with newscasters standing with umbrellas and gumshoes on, you know, and, and, and welly boots as they call them up to their knees, uh, and flooding conditions telling you quite seriously that they've got a drought going on. I'm not kidding you. Look, that's how dumb we are now. So anyway, it says um, that uh, the banned the use of uh, hose pipes and garden for your gardens and all the rest of it, because even after the wettest April for a hundred years, because there's a water shortage, because they want to boost their prices for water. You see, that's what private companies do. Profit back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and we'll go to the callers. There's Don from Toronto on the line there. There, Don. Good evening, Alan. Um, I just had a, a question about a program uh, or a concept you dealt with a number of years ago, and I've been meaning to ask you for a long time. What it is is uh, when ideas are put forth, uh, like when you're talking about uh, trying to wake people up, and they can accept what you say intellectually, but they cannot accept it emotionally, mm-hmm. and there's almost like a breaker switch that goes off, and you don't want yeah. to push it or else it'll push them towards fear or anger or some kind of negative response. But there was a word that you had, and I, I can't remember what it was. You were talking about some psychological study. I thought it was really good, but I wanted to clarify that. Do you recall that word? Oh, the, You may uh, not. I know you talk about a yeah, lot of things. So. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, I know the Cass Sunstein that I mentioned earlier, Cass Sunstein, that's the guy who does nudge and works for Obama to give us our thoughts, basically. Uh, he did mention that we're all trained. We're all trained uh, by our schooling and by deliberately, too, 
to, to whenever we start thinking for ourselves, he says we're trained, they have trained us, and he's proud of it too, very proud, that we go back to our default positions. When we're starting to understand something, we say, oh, it can't be, surely not, for goodness sake. And then you go right back to your default position of these guys with the, the suits and ties are awfully nice people, really. They can't be as bad as that. That's your default position. So we're, we're actually trained that way. Um, so when you wake up, once you start questioning the system, You've got a bunch of built-in triggers, and these triggers, as you go through the process of becoming uncomfortable, because we don't like to feel uncomfortable, even with thoughts, so we, we take the easy way out usually, but if we can force our way through it. Internal dissonance, they call it, yeah. Yeah, and, and so we are triggered to go back to the default position, which they've indoctrinated into us through our schooling and the general media, especially in Canada. I mean, Canada can come up with the most blatant things that have happened, of mass corruption or whatever, but it's even even to do with the, the governments and, and bailing out the banks and keeping it all quiet from the general public in Canada. It's done, it's put over in a humorous way to the public. That's the technique in Canada, as opposed to other countries. It's sort of chuckle, chuckle, aren't they naughty? Naughty deal, yeah. That's right. And so the, we have all these default positions, depending on the culture, they have different defaults set in you. Uh, and that's how it really works. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. I had a larger question, but I'll maybe I guess we're up against the clock, so I don't want to push you for it today. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can call again. Then. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for calling. But th- that's the system that we live in. We're trained from birth, and and most people don't even know they've been trained. They think they're getting an education. You've got to go into the history of John Dewey and the guys who were sent over from Prussia to give us the educational system and what its purpose was. And it's essential you have that early indoctrination, as Jack C. Lull says, for your, your subsequent propaganda to take, to actually work with you. If you don't get early indoctrination, you're, you're more streetwise, you can see a scam a mile away. But they get into school, they get groupthink going, the, fr- the first years are all taught to clap their hands uniformly together. You know, this group thing, do all together, we're all one, you know. And it stops you from being an individual. If you're an individual, you must think for yourselves. You don't have to agree with other people. I'm not being obnoxious. There are folk who just love to be obnoxious. But um, you don't have to agree with the the, the crowd as they go along with the the direction that's pointed for them. Follow this. They all follow it because they think it's above board. You have to look behind all the scams. For instance, there's Facebook. Facebook, with all its sock puppets, big corporations working it, and now they're in, the, in the, the organ donor business. And asking all the youngsters, yeah, donate your organs to this multi-billion dollar industry. Think about it, folks. They're also collecting, telling everybody to get their DNA tested to all these corporations. DNA, organ donors, perfect match, boom, suicides. Right? Of course, that doesn't happen in real life, does it? No. Default. Back you go. From Hamish, myself, Montreal, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God's go with you.